Hello. Hey, Ted McElroy. I'm so glad you sent me a text. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my fault. I should have sent you something better than a text. I should have sent you a reminder a couple of days ago. That's my fault. I apologize. Oh, my God. Not your fault. I should keep up with my own crap. You know, <laughs> that would be helpful. But I'm glad you sent it because I was about to, um, I was picking up my friend to go to a basketball game. So you just got done for the day, yeah? Well, I got done. Yeah, I got done and was zipping up here to pick up the kids and all the things. I should I should know better than to do something like this the day after a holiday. I should know better. Well, that's my fault. I shouldn't give you this was a holiday. So, it's good. Um, so now, what what was the highlight of your day other than getting to talk to me? Oh gosh, the highlight of my day actually highlight of my day maybe i think was really this is going to sound petty and weird but we have this big storage closet yep that all our supplies pens paper all the things in it and we pulled all of that mess out and organized it into these like cool like clear bins it's all late it's going to be labeled and i mean it made it made my heart really happy. I know that sounds crazy, but like no, the whole sounds st- awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a crazy, uh, weird highlight of our day. So, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, well, if you were to walk into my office right now, you would just have a heart attack. I mean, it would just make you want to cry. I mean, it's well, that sad. Um, I mean, Tom talking about just literally the place I'm sitting right now, the rest of the office is brilliant. It looks beautiful. I mean, cause that's their place, you know, but this is my that's place. Right. So. So I guess I should fill in a couple of details for you here, Jennifer. Um, you know, one of the things, the reason that I asked you, as I said in my email, was our dear friend and idol, Mike Rothschild, a great American, yeah. uh, asked when I, I had sent out, you know, who should I talk to? And he, he was without, I mean, I got a response like in three minutes back from him, Jennifer Carter. I was like, okay. all right. So, uh, and I'm, I'm embarrassed. I didn't think of you sooner. Um, I really, <laughs> truly am. Cause I, that this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm been so excited about doing this for, oh, I, this is kind of fun doing this whole talking thing too. Um, I bet. yeah, because it basically for me, it turns into $10,000 worth of free consulting that I get basically, you know, for this time. And that's pretty much how it works. I'll ask you a bunch of questions. You'll figure out all my problems and, and then I'll go on to something else. Oh, perfect. Okay. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. 
They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight one-day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear one-days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice, not fear of the disease associations with myopia, is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. So what I will do now is I'm going to just quickly review what we're going to talk about because I sort of gave you some topics by email about what we want to do. One of them was the joys of owning your own business. And the next question was a simple, was a similar question, but a little different was why would anyone even consider owning your own business? Just sort of maybe a different way of looking at it, depending on what day you're answering this question. Um, Yep the development of your team within your business, which you guys have always done a brilliant job of that. And I was actually looking back through your website just a minute ago, because I hadn't looked at it in quite a while and about half the people on there, I know still, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, you know, so that's a, that's a nice thing. Yeah. That, you know, we've, we've worked pretty hard on trying to retain those employees, you know, and, that's a that's something that's always kind of in the back of my head is how can I not only like teach them and grow them the moment, but how can I keep them for a long time? Because they add such great value to the to the practice, you know, I don't want them to ever feel like they have to look anywhere else for a job or for fulfillment or whatever the case may be. So other so, than you, is Tiffany the one that's been around longest? Tiffany's been around the longest. She will on. I mean, she January, predates you, actually. Yeah, she's been there twenty years. Yeah, because I've I, I mean she was back there in the days when you were still in school. So yes, yep, uh huh. She's been there since she was a, just a baby. Since wow, she Jesus was born. So that's about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the you know to go back to your questions, like to me the joys. It's kind of a double-edged sword. The, to me, the joys of owning my own practice is also the hardest part. And it's the people, it's the staff, um, to watch them be able to, because most of them come in knowing nothing, and to watch them just grow and learn, not just eye stuff, but, you know, life lessons, and and to see them you know, kind of blossom and mature and, and grow is my greatest joy. That's if I could sit and talk to them all day and dream with them and help them figure out what to do to get to the next step and whatever, you know, dream they're chasing at the moment, I would do that all day long. So that's my greatest joy in owning my own 
practice. I mean, you've got, you got some other perks too. Like if I need to leave early, I can leave early. But if I do that, I know there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be another day where I stay a little later to catch up or, you know, I have that flexibility. So that's, that's good. Um, but it's the people for me that, that bring me the greatest joy, but they also bring me the greatest heartache and the greatest burden, you know, because you do carry their, I feel like I carry their weight too. A lot of times they, they come to me about all kinds of things. So that weight can get pretty heavy on occasion, especially this year has been really tough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, to me, that's my greatest joy that, and I mean, again, it's people, but patients in for me for private practice because they are very loyal and they keep coming back. So you get to know them again, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you, you know, their whole history, but then you also are watching them age and you're watching them go through a thousand different things, you know, family deaths and, weddings and babies and all the things. So the people are what bring me the most joy. And I don't guess you have to own your own practice to have that, but it's, I don't know. I guess I, I'm so it's, you're so stable and steady in that place that that's how you really get to know the people. I think yeah, but it's a lot, it's a lot easier. I think if you do own your own practice to have the ability to do that kind of stuff. Um, because if, if it was somebody else's, you may feel more compelled to really just get a bunch of people done that day, or maybe you're not feeling that compelled. Maybe you're being compelled into seeing a lot of people, you know? So I think that having that flexibility, like you were talking about, but it sounds to me like the thing that really brings you the most joy is the coaching side. I love it. Yep. So how did, how did you develop that? What, what was it? When did you realize I'm really a good coach? Uh, honestly, I can, I have a vivid moment in my head that when I first came to work at Westward Dock here with, with the infamous Mike Rothschild, there was, he asked me, he said, do you want to ever own your own practice? And absolutely not was my answer. No way. Don't want any part of it. I was not in a good headspace. I was, I had bounced from, practice to practice and I didn't want I just didn't want anything to do with it I didn't think it was that uh 2011 okay um so and you can ask him he remembers asking me and he remembers that that adamant no um but I remember one day he was seeing patients and for some reason it must have been the tail end of the morning or something he was seeing patients and I was free and didn't have any but I was standing in the hall and it was a mess. It was a disaster. I mean, there were patients everywhere and that's not the norm. Normally it was very smooth and easy, but I remember standing there and it just clicked with me. I knew exactly what needed to be done to catch up and to get the staff moving in the right direction to get him to like, just, don't worry about it. We'll tell you where to go. We'll get you caught up and to keep the patients happy. It just like all came to me. And so I just naturally started directing traffic basically and solving the problem that was happening right then. And I can remember that moment. And he came out at one point and he said, how did we get caught up? What, what, what happened? How did we get caught up? This is good. This is good. What we're doing is good. 
and I was standing at the end of the hall and somebody said, well, Dr. Carter just helped us, you know, da, 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 da. he was like, Oh my God, you're really good at this. And I was like, Oh my God, I think I am good at it. I like this. That was fun. I like solving that problem. And that's a, that's a big thing for me is I, I enjoy the problem solving, you know, throw something at me and I, I, there's always a way that's my answer to lots of things on lots of days. There's always a way to do it. Let's figure it out. So, so what, what problems are you solving? I mean, <laughs> I, and I know there's a lot of them, but so, I mean, another good friend of ours, Larry Savage, who actually has been on the podcast as well said, you're only as good as the problems that you're solving. And mm-hmm. so what problems are you solving? Currently? Yeah. Let's, 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 let's figure them out. Let's, let's work. Out. <laughs> okay, great. So the, the one we're trying to solve right now is we have, it's kind of two folks. So we have one employee that her job for many years is basically to do accounts payable. Like she runs the financial stuff. She's always locked into one spot in the office, um, which is good and bad. We've, but we've cross-trained everybody in the office except for her. And so we are, we have a theory right now that the more momentum you have, the better everything is. And that means everybody moves all the time. So sitting still stops your momentum, right? And yeah. so it can keep everybody kind of up and moving and doing short <clears throat> spurts of work then all the patients are taken care of and everybody's good at the end of the day. And it works really, really well, except for this one lady that we're working on. So we're trying to get her to understand that if you can, if you will give away pieces of your work, let people help you and you in return, help them. The day is so much better. Um, So we're trying to figure that out. And she is in an area of the office that we call the workroom. And we're also trying to figure out when we come to that workroom, kind of at the end of the day, all patients are gone. How can we best utilize that to, uh, I guess, inspire people to not only just help patients that are there, but to do more and to do it more efficiently and to do it with excellent customer service and to feed off each other and quit worrying about what I worked up. 18 patients today and she only did this and this and this that's what we're trying to solve now is it's kind of that blame game does that make sense yeah yeah and i'm i'm guessing that the flow of your practice has not changed any since i was there a few years ago i'm I'm, you haven't knocked any walls out and haven't changed any kind of okay nope so, you know, just to paint a picture for everybody, you walk in the front door, you're in the optical and the reception area kind of all together. The front desk is right in front of you when you walk in the front door. And right behind that is this work space you're talking about. Well, now we took the front desk out, so that's gone. Good job. Okay, that's what oh. I'm working on next. That's what I'm going to yep. try and figure out how to do. That's so what, rock. So you just knocked it out. And uh, so how do, how do people... Where do, where do they go? How do they know what, the, I mean, right now they sit in the parking lot and call on the phone. I get it. But what would they normally do if they're just walking in the door? So they, we, we, they just come on in. Okay. So they come in um, and we greet them when they come in. So whoever's available, you know, Hey, how are you? If we know who they are, you know, we kind of try to anticipate who they are, you know, and sometimes we know who they are cause they've been there for 20 years. So we talk to them. We know they're there for an appointment. And we've sent them all their 
you know, paperwork or whatever via text to email ahead of time. And they're, they've been pretty good about filling that out. So there's really no paperwork to give them. We basically are clicking the start button in our EHR. Um, and, uh, we use a doorbell. I know it sounds crazy, but we use a doorbell to alert the people throughout the office that another patient is here for an exam. Right. That's how they, that's how they come in. Okay. So that that's, um, you know, that's kind of another thing, another good friend of ours, uh, caution to everybody on the podcast listening right now, there's going to be a pile of names getting dropped and I apologize for everybody. <laughs> um, uh, I think, you know, Mick Kling, um, okay. and you've met Mick through Mike and, and me, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, Mick has often said that all the problems that happen in the office originate at the front desk. So I, I just believe. got rid of the front desk. And I mean, I know it's not really, it's not that simple, but it's kind of, it is, you know, it's, if you, you it kind of is. Desk, yeah. And, um, it makes a lot of sense. It really, truly does. It does. So that's why we got rid of the front desk is because people were hiding behind it. Our people were hiding behind it. And so what we didn't think about was that when you take away the front desk, that patients do panic when they walk in for the first year or so, they're like, Oh my God, where do I go? You know, so be prepared for that. But on the flip side of it, so now the, now all our problems stem from Denise's desk. That's, it's that, yeah, that locked down. I'm not moving. This is my space. You can't use it. That's where our problems stem now. Okay. Okay. Um, so how, how are you going to convince Denise, I believe it's her name. How are you going mm-hmm. to convince her that this momentum that you're building mm-hmm. is going to be good for her? So we are in the process of trying to prove that to her basically. So the whole staff is going above and beyond. They all, she knows that she needs to move in her head. She knows that it makes sense, but she doesn't like change. And so the whole staff is working really hard and being intentional to encourage her. Right. And to say, I'll take that order. I can do that glasses order. You go, you know, help Dr. Carter in the exam room. And so we've had to really work hard to kind of push her in that direction. Um, but it's, I think it's just going to take a really, really long time. And I would love any other suggestion. She's just so locked in to her systems and her way that she can't see past what she's doing. So when we can, I mean, we've literally had to walk with her on days and say, okay, come on, it's time for you to go and edge some lenses. And she's like, but I haven't finished this. I might get to a stopping point. Come on, it's time to go. And so then she'll go edge a pair of glasses or whatever. And I'm like, okay, time to stop that one. You're to a stopping point. Let's go back to the clinic, you know, and go, we call it clean up with a doctor, go scribe basically. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've had to like dra- drag her through it basically, but she's just really focused on her little piece and can't She's starting to see the bigger picture, but not quite there yet. Is, is she a lot more technical or, um, I mean, is she more of a technician type kind of mentality? I don't mean she's not working a technician position, but is she more right. a technician mentality type kind of individual? She, if you met her, 
Hmm. That's a good question. She is very much a checklisty person. Okay, so yeah. going to follow the checklist, right? Mm-hmm. Which works great as a technician because it's the same kind of yeah. routine over and over. Um, so she's very checklisty, but she is also, she, she double and triple checks herself over and over and over and over and over. So she's a little CDO, which is OCD spelled alphabetically the way it's supposed to be. You got it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, now that I'm, 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 that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm right there. So I know what you're talking uh-huh. about now. Okay. So, um, you know, and it also sounds like she's a rule follower. Definitely. Not going to break a rule ever. And, which, which is good in a way, but like, you know, step across the line. It's Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, for uh, for those that attend Seco, um, you know, if you've ever stayed at the Omni Hotel, which is halfway between, which is the hotel where everybody stays, is right next to the convention center. Right outside of the convention center in the hotel, there's this huge round grass spot. It's elevated about I don't know, almost three ground, three feet off the ground. And all day long, if you sit out there and watch people walk all the way around this massive grass spot, you know. Yep. And about six years ago, I just started walking across it. I don't, just because. Yeah, just because there was a point A to point B problem. And I didn't yep. like the fact that there was a point A to point B problem. And I just started walking across it. And you would be amazed at some of the looks that I get doing that. You're breaking the rules. I, it totally is. And then the grass looks great. I mean, and I can't think of anything better to do in a big city like that than to walk across some grass because no you don't get a chance to do that very often, you know, and my, I guess my, my small town boy starts coming out on me when I'm doing that. You don't I get just, people walking with you. You can't no, convince. No one will walk with me across that grass, Jennifer. It's just sad. I would. Really, if I was there, I'd walk with you. I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> you know what I've just realized too? We have been talking for about 15 minutes and I haven't told anybody. No, 20 minutes. And I haven't told anybody who you are and why we're talking. Oh, you know, so, it's all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll edit this. It'll, 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 I probably won't, but it'll, it'll be a fine. Uh, so I, I would like to er- welcome everybody to the Vision of Leadership podcast with Ted McElroy. Today I have as my guest the wonderful Jennifer Carter. Um, she and I have known each other for quite a while. And it's again, yes, because of my dear friend and idol, Mike Rothschild, a great American, who the reason why we know each other. Um, she, as you heard, started with Mike back in 2011. And then in 2018, I believe it was, uh, she purchased Mike's practice from him, uh, the rest of the practice, the other half that she was going to take. And now she is full owner of West Georgia Eye Care in Carrollton, Georgia. Carrollton is this wonderful little burg uh, just to the west of Atlanta. Um, so it's just far enough away that it doesn't get contaminated by the big city, but just close enough that she can do some really fun things if she'd like to, to go over and get back. And one of the things I really wanted to talk about with her today is small town life. Uh, you know, how did, what was it that drew you to Carrollton versus going to some, and well, actually tell me, I mean, what was your first practice? You talked about earlier, you said I was at this practice and I was at this practice and I left that yep. one because it sunk, it stunk and went to this other yep. one because it stunk. And so tell me about those experiences. Okay. So I went to undergraduate at Shorter College in Rome. Yep. And so when I was there, um, that's where I met my husband and he, Who, by the way, has my dream job. If I wasn't going to be an optometrist, a history professor, 
I would have been a history teacher in a heartbeat. However, oh. I couldn't figure out how I was going to make a living at it. So it, yeah, it's, ugh, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I cut in. You go back. You were, you met your husband in shorter college, which is a wonderful yes. little town in Rome, which is yep, northwest absolutely. of Atlanta. So I met Josh there and he got to be friends with a guy that's from Bremen, Georgia, which is mm-hmm. just a little bit North of Carrollton. Um, and they, I was a year ahead of them. So I took off to optometry school. And while I was gone in their senior year, they dreamed and schemed up how they could coach basketball together in the big city of Bremen um, in the high school that has, you know, 700 kids or something like that. So anyways, we got married and ended up living, moving to Bremen um, because that basketball position did come open. And so um, when I first moved there, I was working, I worked at a Walmart optical. Um, I worked at a Target optical and both of those and really everywhere else. I've worked several commercial places. Um, I did work with another private practice and I've also worked with a ophthalmologist for a short period of time, but all of those places, the biggest thing, the biggest turnoff to me was the people who ran them told me what to do. It was a, it was not a conversation. It was not, there was no option. You're gonna do this, this, and this, you're gonna prescribe these contact lenses. And I'm like, why, you know? And so I'm pretty much a rule follower, but when that stuff starts happening, it's, you can only push me so far when I say, eh, I don't, I don't jive with that. You can't tell me what contact lens is best for this patient that I'm seeing. Let me, you know, and I thought I knew everything cause I was fresh out of school. So of course you did. You know, of course I did. Um, but yeah, you know, they, that's the, that was the common denominator in all those things is that the docs that own the place told me how they wanted things done And that's, I get that to a certain extent, but there's also, there's beauty in having a conversation and picking somebody's brain and asking the questions to get them to think up the answers. Even if it's, you know, I know Mike Rothschild a thousand times did this to me where he already knew the answer. He knew what he wanted to to happen. Right. But instead of saying, Hey, I want you to do this, this, and this, he would come to me and say, Hey, let's figure this out together. Right. And he would ask enough questions that I'd be on the same page with him by the end of the conversation every time. And there may have been a time or two, maybe, maybe that I changed his mind, but I doubt it. (laughs) I really think most of the time he already knew the answers, which is fine, but it made me feel like I was a part of it. And it gave me, kind of a piece of ownership, you know, because the conversations went that way instead of just barking orders at me. And that was um, before you became a partner, even just when you were still oh, yeah. into an associateship with him. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the, from the first day I stepped foot in there, I knew it was different, very, very different from any place I'd ever been. So, you know, that, that was, that was the biggest thing. So, so did, I guess I got one question that's really kind of rattling my head right now, you know, with all these bossy people that you were working with, I mean, they were telling you what to do. Yep. Was, 
was it more constrictive in the commercial practices or was it more constrictive in the private practices? Oh gosh, really? Honestly, the commercial practices were pretty, pretty rough. Um, and a piece of that might have been, maybe I feel like they were harder because the owner or contracted doctor was never there. Okay. Like I never laid eyes on them. Right. It was always a, a phone call of, I don't know why you're doing this, but you need to stop. And I'm like, you don't even know the situation. Right. So in the private practices, it was a, it was better because they were, I could at least have a face-to-face conversation with them. Right. You know? Okay. So that's, that's just my experience though. So, you know, you bounced around from a, for a, what, how many years would you say? Oh God. When did I graduate? Uh, let's see. I don't know. It wasn't I graduated there. in 2002. I know. Okay. I can't remember cause it's been too long. I graduated in 2002. Oh yeah. Tom's You're really school. old. I graduated <laughs> uh, nine years before you did. Thanks for making me feel, <laughs> I feel really old, Ted. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> So anyway, um, that, but that, you know, that you bounce around from one place to the next, how, approximately how many different places would you say you went to before you got to? to oh God, six, six, six okay. or seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Easy. And, you know, we, at one point in time, Josh and I moved away from Bremen. So mm-hmm. we moved away to Ringgold for crazy reasons. We lived there for two years. And when we came back is when, um, when we came back, I was trying to find a job kind of back in, in the area. Right. And I called, I remember calling West Georgia Eye Care, just, you know, Hey, you know, if you have anything open, he's like, I just filled the spot. And this was in like 2009 or 10 or so. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Edwards had started working with him. I remember her. Uh-huh. And so him, I'm sorry, that was Kyle. There was one other yep. one before him, hurt him. Okay. So yeah. oh, who was there? Gerbil was there. Yep, Gerbils were there. So so he was there and uh so I started working at Walmart again because I, I mean you gotta work, right? You gotta gotta pay the bills. Right. So I was working at Walmart and they showed up one day just shooting the shooting the crap, you know, just talking. Um and then I got a phone call when I was in labor with my second child. <laughs> How about that for timing, right? <laughs> um, oh, by the way, yeah, did you yeah. know that there are other letters in the alphabet besides J? I'm just asking. I, I mean, well, J's just so easy. It just rolls off the tongue, Tim. You know, you got to name them all a J name. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I went through lots of things. And you, you kind of you kind of hit a spot and I don't know if everybody does, but you hit a spot where you're like, there's got to be something better. There's got to be more to it than just one and two and all the time. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, you, you kind of burn out with that. Now, nine years in, I was burnt out and I was irritated and frustrated and, you know, I was starting to think, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? But this, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of smart ish let me think of something else. And so seriously started looking at other options, you know, I could teach science. I don't want to, but I knew I didn't want to do that. And so the piece that I was missing was that, that leadership role, right. That empowerment to make change and like help people grow and, and grow myself too. That was a, that was a big deal. That was a really, really big deal, but I didn't find that until I ended up at Westward back here. Did you know that's what you were missing or was that one of the things you discovered when you got there? 
Yeah, I had, I had no idea. I had, I, I just knew something was off, and I knew something was missing. And, and then once I started working there, it just all started to click. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it. This is what I was missing. You know, I mean, if you think back to like high school, middle school, I was really involved in almost everything like any kind of club or you know sport or whatever I was heavily involved in it I did all the like leadership classes and you know events anything I could get my hands on I did but that stopped when I graduated optometry school and that was the that was a piece of what was missing was I I longed for that to you know to always be better and get better but I didn't know how to do it but I started realizing it after I started working there. So this kind of plays into your, your coaching piece because Mm -hmm. you know, the, the leadership side of things and how much that means to you and how do you identify what are the things that you need to be coaching an individual on your team toward? I mean, how do you, how do you figure out this is, this is the piece that they're missing or this is the piece that needs to be encouraged or grow more. And you spend more time working. I'm asking a lot of questions. I apologize. Are you (laughs) working a lot more on strengths versus working on improving weaknesses? What, what's your philosophy Mm -hmm. on all this kind of stuff? So my philosophy today, and it might change tomorrow, but my philosophy, yep, yep, yep. So my philosophy today is that you focus on your strengths. Um, so we last, it's probably been a year and a half. We had the whole staff take the strengths finders test. Yep. Um, and we, it was amazing. And we put it, we put it all on the walls of the conference room. We had flip charts everywhere. If you know Mike Rothschild, you know, he loves a flip chart and that has rubbed off on me. And so um, I had the flip charts up and everybody's, top five strengths you know around the room and it was really cool to see number one that nobody had the same top strength not one person in the office that's rare it was incredible um and number two once we started digging we realized okay this person I have to work really like they get on my nerves is basically what it was right that person gets on my nerves so what we did was we teamed them up and had them dig into the other person's personality and the other person's strength. And then it's just clicked. Oh my God, this, that's why she does that. She wants the same thing I do. She just goes about it a different way. And so once we started focusing on what our strengths were, then you can start kind of, you know, giving people assignments and projects that feed to those strengths. And that's where you feel good about yourself, right? Because you're not spinning your wheels. Give me something I can solve a problem. I'm happy, happy, happy. If you want me to um, rearrange a room and make it look pretty, Lord have mercy. It stresses me out so bad because I know kind of what I like, but I can't do it. I cannot pull it off. And so it was cool to see if we focus on those strengths, that's when everybody feels really good. Instead of beating them up about you're not good at this and you're not good at this and you're not good at this, let's make it better. If you focus on those strengths, you can just soar and take off. So that's my my theory right now today is to focus on the strengths. We also do um, a book every once in a while. We'll pull a couple of people, three or four and do the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Right. And one thing they're on my bookshelf right there. uh, It's one of my favorites. Mine's falling apart. I love it. 
But one thing that I learned this time, we just finished it, is to focus on your top 20%. So for me, I'm working really hard to focus on those, those top performers, my top 20%, because if I focus on them and they focus on the ones right below them, right, it's like a pyramid and they can grow each other instead of me spinning my wheels on the ones that really, really struggle and need lots and lots and lots of time. I'm going to focus on these top 20%. So again, it's kind of focus on your strong ones and then everything else kind of falls in place below that. So that's, that's my running theory again. So tell me about your leadership team that you're using in this top 20%. So it's quite the, uh, quite the mix of people. They don't really even know it's a, you know, we don't, I don't, I haven't labeled them my leadership team. Okay. Two of them are, the other two docs in the office right um so we're working we had a uh we had a rough time the other day because we we all we three talk all the time and we try really hard to be on the same page but we say things a different way and we approach people differently because we have different strengths right and the way we talk and approach people is perceived very differently among the staff. And so I was getting some yeah, yeah back from that. And so we, I mean, at one point I looked at the other two and I said, okay, we're going to ask their opinion. I want them to write it down. I want them to tell me um, exactly, you know, how they're feeling. And then when I did that, I was able to, um, it was hard, but we were able to kind of figure out what was going on. Um, hang on a second. So we had them write down what we do well and what we are terrible at. And I mean, it sucked. So the three docs, they did it anonymously. I didn't want to know for wrote. you or suck for the team to tell you it this. sucked for us, the docs. Okay. And later the team was like, that was really hard because they felt like several of them said, are you going to try to figure out who did this? Because, you know, I, I said, I want you to be as honest as you possibly can, you know, but it was, so they were scared, I think, but it sucked for us. Um, and it, it, it hurt down to the core, but it was good also, right? I mean, they, so because of my top 20%, they perceived me as having favorites, which just like killed me. And I was like, oh man, okay. And they, one doctor they perceive as being bossy. The other one they say is a pushover, right? And so like, it was, it was very interesting, but the other two docs are like my, my focus right now to help them be able to direct the staff like when I'm not there and not get pushed back because it didn't come directly from me. So, so how, so then how do you get beyond the investment you're making in this vital few people mm-hmm. and let the other people still know that they're special, but, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just not even fill in that blank for you. How do you, I, mean, I know, um, I'm still figuring that out. I am still trying to figure that out. And there's a, again, a chapter in 21 laws and I don't remember which chapter it is. I should know it by now, but it talks about, um, 
fair is not fair. Being fair is not fair. So, you know, I can't treat everybody in my office the same way because that's not fair to everybody else. They want, they think in their minds that they all should be treated the same way and that that would be fair, but it's not. I think so, this is the law of the inner circle is what you're looking it, for. Just, it may be. Yeah. I mean, so it's a, um, a leader's potential is determined by those closest to him. Page 111. Yep. So mm-hmm. just in case you have to refer back to that. There you go. Now, you know, so it's tough. I don't know. Still trying to figure it out. And so what the doc we're going to do is um, start meeting once a week. And I'm, I'm stealing a page from your book, Ted, because I think you started doing this a while back. Um, we're just going to start pulling the employees one at a time and just spending 10 minutes and saying, what you working on? What's hard? How can we help you? Um, and then following back up with them. Cause I feel like that will help. I think that will help me not hopefully not come across as having favorites, I guess. Um, it's going to help the other one not be, not come across as so bossy and the other one have a little perspective and not be quite the, quite the pushover. And she's really not, she just listens. And if she thinks your idea is better, she'll go with that, but it's perceived a different way. So I don't know. I'm still working on it. Ask me in a month. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you know, and, and as, as all this sort of goes, I mean, it's constantly changing. It's never the same, you know, and I don't think that the care philosophy part of it changes, but I do think the way you go about doing it changes. Um, and, and kudos to you for being brave and asking them what you could do better because most people are not willing to find out. I mean, it's, it is scary. I mean, it's, that's probably one of the, uh, oh, yeah. Thing, yeah, I got uh, Mick uh, gave me this thing many gosh, it must have been 20 years ago when we first started doing our study group. He said he had them do a stop, start and continue uh, question mm-hmm. thing. Tell me three things you want me to start doing three things you want me to stop doing and three things you want me to continue doing. And uh, very similar to what you said, my team was very reserved as trying to figure out, well, I mean, is he going to retaliate for this i mean is it you know Mm -hmm. and once they finally realize that you really mean this that it's all about me growing i i don't know what i don't know and until you tell me this there's nothing i can do about it but once we got past that right it's it's been great the only problem i have now is when we add a new team member it takes them about a year before they get comfortable enough to have these really frank conversation with me and some of them a little longer and probably the same thing happens with you which is why longevity matters so much. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. They, to have to start all over, I don't know. It's, um, society is very, very different. I guess we have so many that come from a a specific daycare. The owner of that daycare is going to think that I'm stealing her employees at some point in time. I mean, they, We've had a bunch. I swear I'm not. I swear. Um, But they they are petrified to do something wrong because they've been in an environment where if they did do something wrong, they got fussed at and like, you know, not just not just constructed. Yeah, like in your face. Yeah. So that doesn't do any good for anybody. So. It is really hard to retrain people that it's it's okay to have a hard conversation. 
Um, and you don't have to be mad when you leave that conversation, right? Some lots of good things can come from tough love, basically. Do you happen to, I'm, this is kind of changing the topic, but not really. Um, do you happen to have Apple plus service by any chance? Um, the, do I? Yeah. Like the, the streaming service, like it's kind of like Netflix, but it's by Apple. Have you? I don't. Should okay. I? Well, yeah, just for one reason, there's a TV show on there called Ted Lasso. Um, and it's based on this character that Jason Sudeikis does for NBC during soccer season, excuse me, football for all of those who just got angry football. because I didn't call yeah. it football. <laughs> um, and he's apparently, he's this U um, S football, like American football coach. He coached yeah. the Wichita state shockers and he gets a job to go over to the UK and coach to coach a premier league uh, soccer football uh-huh. team. Um, yep. And they're on the verge of getting relegated, which is kicking out of the premier league into the championship league, which is the second tier down. And the reason he got asked to go there is because the team owner just got divorced from the former team owner and she got the, the team in the divorce. And she basically was just trying to put the screws to him by having the team lose because that's the only thing he truly loves is the soccer team. Oh, and God. so they, she gets this guy who's this, um, seemingly yahoo from midwest to come out and coach the soccer team but i'm telling you the leadership lessons on this tv show are phenomenal it is incredible what i've learned watching this show it's it's just incredible and uh, what's it called again ted lasso uh, l-a-s-s-o got it it's 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 a brilliant brilliant show as far as relationships and how people not just business but i mean just regular relationships too and right. at one point he's got these two players he's got this superstar soccer player who's just phenomenal and he's a phenom and he knows it and he's just a, a jerk and there's this other guy named sam that's on the team who is like just turning 20 he's from nigeria he's was on the nigerian national team and he gets recruited to come and play there and he's just got this big huge heart and he's really a good soccer player but he's not you know perfect at this point whereas right. uh, jamie the the antagonist in this part um is giving him such a hard time and coach calls him over and he says hey sam come here for a second he said you know what the you know what the happiest fish what the happiest animal on the planet is he goes, no coach. He says, it's a goldfish. He says, why is that? And he goes, because it's only got a 10 second take of memory. Go be a goldfish. <laughs> and which, That's you know, it. and this is just right after he's gotten chewed out on the field, you know, and is really down yep. and he, he kind of gets the picture, you know, and, and, but there's all these little lessons like that that get sprinkled throughout this entire thing, uh, which are just absolutely brilliant and uh, you should watch it and i just told everybody else they should watch it too and by the way you've just all absolutely. helped my stock out because i do have apple stock so please help me on that um that is a, there you go well i'll go get it financial disclosure i guess for that one um so you know how you you got this amazing team how do you identify them other than just stealing people from this daycare that you're going to? I mean, is there another reason <laughs> that you're getting them other than just stealing them from the daycare? I swear I'm not stealing them from the daycare, but they do start them off good there or something. Um, so when we, when I first hired somebody, I, I remember, well, Mike Rothschild said, you're going to hire the next group. And I was like, Oh geez. Okay. 
had no idea what I was doing. They have certain, you know, he had kind of a list of questions to ask and they answered them fine. Um, so, um, I, I mean, at one point in time, I had to figure out that people will snowball you. Yep. Right. Um, they will tell you exactly what you want to hear even if it's not true and they don't really feel that way. Um, and then at some point in time, I realized that all I was looking for was somebody that was kind hearted and had a servant's heart. And that's what I look for in all my employees. Um, I don't care if they've had any kind of like, experience or background or high school diploma or anything. I don't care. Right. What I care about is if they are kind and good and can listen and are willing to learn um, because you can teach anybody how to push a button. You can teach anybody how to run an auto refractor. You can teach anybody, you know, how to, talk to people to a certain extent but you can't teach them just to be kind um that's something that's you know placed in you as a as a child i think that's that's you're either really kind-hearted and servant-hearted or you're just not and that's not something that i can teach somebody but so that's what i look for you know in a in a staff member um that's what i look for to for people that I know that will are willing to grow, they they have a certain air about them, um, and there's not a lot of good. I don't I don't know even know how to say how we identify that. It's just you just kind of know that that's who they are, um, and there comes a point in time once they're hired that you start to realize either one of two things you're really you're really sweet and kind and good-hearted but this is not the best place for you which is fine or they start to um they they almost like thirst for more and you can see them asking more questions and doing more things and and searching just like I was searching right for that something else there's something more that I'm missing and once you start to feed them all that good stuff, they just, I mean, they just take off. It's amazing to watch. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I look for when I'm like hiring or, you know, well, I guess hiring. So now um, are you the one that's in charge of finding these people or? Nope. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> My staff is. Um, they put the, they post the ad and they do two initial interviews before the people even get to me. So the staff does it. I mean, they're incredible and they figured out a pretty good system. They've learned that they work better together. So they'll have two, like they'll have somebody come in and watch if they can't keep up, like physically keep up, like with a pace then they don't bring them back. Right. You gotta, if they're not interested or if their body language is 
terrible, they don't bring them back. And then when they, if they do bring them back, they do a peer interview. So they'll have two staff members to the one person interviewing and they can just feed off each other. And they've, I mean, they've got it down to a, they're pretty good at saying, ah, they were doing good until this question. And then they kind of slid off the radar or whatnot. So they don't get to me until the two rounds of interviews. And then most of the time when they get me, they've, the theory is they relax enough to really be themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so sometimes that's real, real relaxed. Sometimes that's I, I show up in jeans and flip flops and that's an automatic no. If you're going to show up in jeans and flip flops to the owner, right. That's interviewing you. You don't care enough. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes they get to that third interview and it's just like, man, yes, this is magic right here. But the staff does it all. Most of it. See, I think you've learned something that I've, well, maybe you probably don't know it this way because you're probably not like me, but I, I'm terrible at it. I mean, I'm just awful at it. Um, I st- basically every time I go through the process of bringing somebody on board, it's, I'm just hiring another one of me. And, uh, that's, that's where things start going really, really badly, um, because of that. So what I've done is just like you, I've, I've, I don't even meet these people until the third round. Um, yep. you know, and that's really for a three day internship that they're doing with us. And that that's sort of the getting, letting your hair down kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you've got this wonderful practice. You've, yep. um, you're, are you living in Bremen, Bremen still? Or you're, yep. or you're, okay. So you're living in Bremen. It's 20 minute, 30 minute drive. Is that about right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, um, you've grown the practice with two wonderful associates. You've got about of the eight team members you have about half of them predate you. Yep. Um, is this how you all thought it was going to turn out? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Um, never in my wildest, well, you know, I didn't want to own a practice. (laughs) That's number one. I thought I didn't, um, you know, I flipped a coin. Do you know this story? No, I don't. Oh, this sounds really intriguing because I had no idea you literally flipped a coin. Literally. Absolutely. Literally. So you're like two face. I'm telling you, this is ridiculous. It's really silly to even like admit it at this point but this is how I decided so Dr. Rothschild came to me he said I want you to buy the practice that made me want to throw up first and foremost just so you know and um then he came back and he said I've got a group that's willing to buy 80 percent you buy 20 percent I thought okay I can handle that that's better that's better it makes me feel better um so we go through all this whole thing and the the whole time I'm like ah uh, I don't know should I do it should I not do it I don't know and the a lot of like personal really hard stuff hit that same year when all that was going on which makes it harder right because there's an emotional piece of this too sure and uh so anyways then he came to me one day he's like don't you just want to buy it all and I'm like oh my god I don't know so we go back and forth about that and he's like you gotta decide you know you gotta decide I said, okay okay so I was talking to him on the phone one day and he said, for the love of God, just flip a coin or something and decide. And I was like, okay. And so I got off the phone with him and literally there was a dime laying on my desk. So I just flipped it. I said, okay, heads, I buy it all. Tails, I do 20%. And I flipped it one time, landed on heads, 
I took a picture, emailed it to him. I said, all right, it's on heads. I'm buying it all. He said, are you freaking kidding me right now? I was like, no, I swear. <laughs> That's how I decided that I was going to buy the whole practice. So no, never in my wildest dreams did I think, number one, that I would own a place like this. I mean, fortunate to, to walk into a place that had a great foundation. Um, and number two, that I would have two associate doctors who are phenomenal and that complement my leadership style so well um, and that we would just, you know, be booming and growing still in in this year, you know. So, no, this is not at all what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> in this year. For those of you who don't know what this year is, it's 2020, uh, uh, just in case you're listening to the And it took us about 40, 50 minutes to get to 2020, which is really incredible. I'm, I'm impressed because <laughs> – the, the rule is the longer you talk, the chances of talking about COVID approach one. Oh, God, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of a, but you know, it, I'll tell you, how has your year been this year? Has it been, huh. well, let me tell me how many, how has it been? Um, well, interesting is a good word, I suppose. I mean, it was, it's a roller coaster of emotions, just like I think for everybody else, um, you know, going from, basically being told that we shouldn't do any routine eye exams and I'm like okay what the heck's going on and then being told you know by so many people you just need to shut it down and send them all on unemployment and I think I have a little different mindset than others because we never close the doors we were there we worked on all kinds of things we saw emergency patients we did some virtual stuff um and I challenged the staff. I said, you know, if we're going to stay here and we're going to keep these doors open, this is the amount of money we have to have every day. And we're going to do that by calling these patients and see if they need to order contacts. And we're going to do virtual glasses visits if we have to. And if they've got something wrong with their eye, by God, we're going to take care of them. And they did it. They killed it. And uh, PPP, of course, was a huge help for us. We got that. Um, and then started back slowly seeing patients. And I mean, it felt like for a while, every day was, okay, let's reassess it. Should we do this? Should we clean this way? Should we, you know, yeah. should we keep the doors locked? Should we not keep the doors locked? Should we, I mean, and it's back and forth and still some days we're like, okay, hang on. Should we do it this way now? Or is it okay to do it like this? Um, but it's been a, dang roller coaster of emotions um and it felt like finally maybe august september it started to kind of like settle out i guess is the best way to describe it but we've been busy um the practice is good we've we've had this what i've called the perfect storm where covid hit um there was a sears optical that closed mm -hmm. um, the first of the year and then the Walmart optical that was near us didn't didn't see a patient for I don't even know months and months and months I think Same it was here. August yes August or September when they started back and I don't know if they're still seeing them I don't even know um, and then we have two older docs in our like little town and they you know really really limited what they who they saw and how many they saw and all that stuff so it just all kind of dumped to us which was a 
a blessing, but, um, but also really hard to kind of figure out how to accommodate all that safely. And, you know, so it's been, it's been a good year looking back. We've learned a lot and we've accomplished a lot and we've overcome so much, which is cool. But it was freaking hard for a while. <laughs> so, so, but I guess for the last question, cause I know you need to get to your buddy. Um, tell, tell me one thing that you learned in 2020 that you will continue to do throughout the rest of your career until it just stops working. Oh gosh. That's such a good question, Ted. That's why I um, asked it. I know. Well, <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, one thing that I will continue, I, I get, honestly, this is going to sound so cliche, but it's never give up. You know, keep, keep pushing forward always. That's great. That's really a wonderful way to put it. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I really admire about you is the fact that you're willing to experiment and you're willing to challenge people and you're willing to push people. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I hold really dear is the fact that our friendship that we have and the ability that the, the fun that you and I have in a GOA meeting that no one knows that we're having is amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I probably just let the cat out of the bag for the rest of them. So now they're going to be watching us like a hawk, but uh, they can anyway, join us. Be that's fun. right. They'll be fun. Um, <laughs> Jennifer, I really can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. If there was one thing that um, you would want to leave the audience with besides never give in Winston Churchill, um, how, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, hmm. I would say if I could leave with anything is just, hmm. I would say enjoy every moment. Um, you know, as golly, Ted, you're going to make me cry. Um, it's the Mike Rothschild coming out of me. He's rubbed off on you. (laughs) He's good at that too. Uh, you know, I think that what you're trying to say here is, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of get you off the hook a little bit here. Thank you. Um, the heart that you have for this, the passion that you have for this is what's coming out. And one of the things that I did learn um, from Mike very early on is if you hire a lot of passionate people, you're going to get a lot of turnover. But the ones that are really worth having are the ones that are going to stay. The the other passionate people, they'll find somewhere that they feel really good at someday and they'll stay there forever too. But they're just not right for you. Um, You know, so that was one of the things that really... Um, I learned, I guess, and, and I, it sounds like you're still doing it by oh, operating gosh. with this 20%, and that's, that's an amazing thing. So uh, yeah. thanks, Jennifer. I appreciate your time, uh, and uh, the, I couldn't thank you more for the for the time you gave us today. I appreciate it, Ted. I enjoyed it. Certainly. Thanks. separate from voice awesome yeah are we good or no good i think we're good you've got red bars that could mean that this could go okay
this will be well we'll see how it goes you know i mean uh this could be a this could be a part one and part two potentially if we need to do it that way first 